Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. There's news in the NFL today. It's time to break it down in the only way we know how. Hot Route Style. Earl! Johnny! With our spin on football headlines with a mix of frozen tundras. Let's be a cold weather team. Neck rolls. And grass-stained jerseys. The good old-fashioned guts was probably the biggest difference in the game. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Hot Routes. Matthew Collar along with Jonathan Harrison here as we do every single week. Although right off the top, I will say I'm not really sure about next week because of the NFL Combine. I'll be in Indianapolis and it's an Eastern time, which just always messes me up. So there will be plenty (laughs) though, of course, on the Purple Insider channel on YouTube and the Purple Insider podcast from there reporting on everything going on with the Minnesota Vikings. Just not entirely sure about a live show on the YouTube uh, doing hot routes that way. But as always, we have five questions. They are fiery flaming hot this week, as they always are. And uh, I'm excited. But uh, Jonathan, if it does feel weird, though, we're now a couple of uh, weeks removed from the Super Bowl. And we've got madness that is coming and madness that just ended with a crazy Super Bowl. And there's like a weird lull here that I don't know how to feel exactly, except for just upset that there's a massive snowstorm on the way. (laughs) So I'm kind of just inside thinking about football, but with no real football to interact with aside from like rumors about Aaron Rodgers, assistant coaches joining other teams. I'm like looking at the watch here, like, all right, NFL, it's been a couple of weeks. Let's get going here. It is very much the calm before the storm, before the draft and free agent storm that's about to hit the NFL landscape, which is fine. Like we need, we've just had what, six, seven months of intense football action. Give us a, give us a little break, but it feels like since they moved the combine back, what a week from what it normally was or what it was before. It's like, all right, this seems like a long time to wait for the first of this long, this long draft and off season process to get started there. It seems like that's maybe a week too long. Yeah. When you think about it, there's only um, short periods of time in the whole schedule of 365 that the NFL isn't front and center. And this is kind of a, a couple of weeks here where you have the NBA all-star game, which woof, woof uh, they, yeah. they watched old uh, pro bowls from a, a couple of years ago when they were handing the ball to offensive linemen. And they were like, let's try that effort. 
Uh, but Jeez, anyway, that's that a different so bad. YouTube channel where people can listen to rants about the NBA All-Star game. <laughs> Back in my day, though, Jonathan, they did try a little bit. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, so there's that. And, you know, you have NHL playoff races and NBA playoff races and, and things of that nature. But we kind of just sit here uh, and wait. And then really after the draft, there's a lull after that. And then we get into training camp and it's just off and running for the whole rest of the season. So uh, we appreciate you football for that reason, but it gives us time to step back and uh, come up with the best possible hot routes that I could. So let's just dive right into the first question, Jonathan, which is the Derek Carr is out there visiting teams and boy, there's some funny reports already <laughs> coming out from the, the New York jets visit. They told Derek Carr that they think he can be a first ballot hall of famer. I mean, this, this is not, this is not a hot route question, but I do have to ask if you were really desperate to recruit somebody, how far would you go in lying to them? This is kind of like, it's almost like this first date, like first date with your wife. Did you sort of lie to make yourself seem better than you are or to like <laughs> over compliment her? Because that kind of seems like what the New York Jets were doing by reportedly telling Derek Carr that they can raise the level of his play to first ballot Hall of Fame. I mean, if he wins two Super Bowls with the Jets, we've seen what the New York market can do for your Super Bowl credentials. So, I mean, it's possible, but first ballot after the career he's had so far would be an incredible second half, if you want to say, of his career to get to a first ballot Hall of Fame status. That would be incredible to do. And that is some absolute grade A, like college recruiting status level of lying and just telling the guy, just blowing smoke up, you know where to try to get this guy to come to your organization. That is impressive by the New York Jets. Yeah, I can't say that um, I ever overdid it on uh, my first date with my wife when it came to something like that. But it would almost be like if you met somebody uh, and you wanted to date them and you were like, you know what? You are the hottest woman on the planet. <laughs> Yeah. And and she's like, okay, look, 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 you know, I don't know. But Derek Carr might, he might believe it. He might be like, oh, I am the hottest girl on the planet. Right. So I, I don't know. Uh, maybe he thinks that, or maybe he's like concerned that they're, they are blowing smoke because you're right. They would need to win multiple Super Bowls for him to be a hall of famer. Uh, I'm not even sure that Matthew Stafford is a hall of famer. In fact, I'm kind of sure right now that he's not. And just with one Super Bowl, it's kind of in the Joe Flacco ballpark of being just like a really good quarterback who won a Super Bowl. But mm -hmm. Phil Sims falls into this too, but just not really a Hall of Famer. So he would likely have to win multiple Super Bowls to make the Hall of Fame. And uh, I think that the New York Jets should worry about maybe making the playoffs at <laughs> least one time. So that's a weird, that's a weird sales pitch for them. That's not the question though. Uh, the question is, so since since the Jets are that hot and heavy on him, of course, it's like, uh, well, you're paying for dinner then. That means that Derek Carr is going to get a lot of money if they are that desperately flailing and throwing themselves at him. So uh, we decided last week we talked about like the Falcons would be a good fit. I don't even know if they're on his list of teams that he's going to visit, but it's going to cost whoever signs him a lot of money. Uh, quarterbacks currently are worth around 45 to $50 million. If you look at some of the recent contracts per year, um, I don't know that the structure is ever going to change. Um, but I would like to ask you this, like if there's ever going to be a middle class or if it's just going to be super expensive or rookie contract or backup money, like Teddy Bridgewater or Andy Dalton, 
Uh, but uh, how many quarterbacks do you think are worth it? And I guess you can throw Derek Carr into this. Like, do you think that he is worth the money that someone's going to pay him and how many NFL quarterbacks are, and, and don't even worry about rookie contract or not just who you would actually pay that much if you had to. So I've got four tiers here right now. And I think uh, probably six or seven guys in these tiers right now of guys that might be worth it. Definitely are worth it. They're just a little bit off and potentially. So we'll start off with obviously worth it. There's four guys in this list, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, uh, Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts. I think those four guys right off the bat are the easy ones to say, yeah, these guys are definitely worth it with what they can do on the football field and how they lead their teams. Those guys should definitely be up there for being worth that kind of money. Uh, just a little bit off for me, Trevor Lawrence, because it's his third year in the, in the NFL. And the first year obviously didn't go well. You can say that was Urban Meyer or whatnot. But the second year was an incredible step up for him. And I like the trajectory of where he's going. Uh, Lamar Jackson might be worth it, but I really want to see him stay healthy for an entire season and get through that. If he can do that, then absolutely. I would say he's worth it. He's going to get that money anyways, uh, if it's in Baltimore or somewhere else, but I think you'd, you'd want to see him stay healthy throughout an entire NFL season to say, yeah, you're definitely in the class of definitely being worth it. Potentially for me, that could be worth it. Tua and Justin Herbert, Justin Herbert has a lot to do to get to that level. And I, I want to see him do more than just kind of throw dink and dunks when he has the arm talent that he has. I want to see him unload that ball more than he does already and take some chances that he just doesn't. And people want to say he's got, doesn't have a supporting cast. He's got pretty good wide receivers there in LA for him to throw to. And he just hasn't been able to do much with them right now. So I want to see him take another step. And then Tua, obviously the health concerns are in there. I like the step that he took this year in that offense with Mike McDaniels. If he can keep doing that and stay healthy, yeah, he might be in that worth it category a long way off, but you can see why if everything comes together for him, Kyler Murray could be in this category. If everything comes together, he's a very long way off because there's just been so much that shows like, yeah, this guy isn't worth it, but there's definitely talent there. There's potential there to be worth this kind of contract. If he can put everything together beyond that, I don't know that there's that many other guys that are worth it. Dak Prescott's maybe in there. Uh, I don't know that I'm leaving too many other guys out right now. Yeah. I think that like Dak Prescott is in the, like the, whatever it is. What's the, it was some Mason Dixon line. Like, I don't know what yeah. that means exactly historically. So if that's, there's like weird stuff with the Mason Dixon line, like don't quote me on that, but it's like the line of demarcation, right? It's like, yeah. he's right there, right on it. That if you are better than Dak Prescott, you are a lock for this. If you are below it, like you could call it the Dak Prescott line. If you are yeah. below it, then you're not worth it. And, you know, of course, uh, Vikings fans in the comment section pointing out Kirk Cousins. <laughs> but this is but he's been a complete case study in this where you pay him at the very top of the market. He's got one of the highest cap hits almost every single year with the Vikings. And while he played well uh, in every single one of those seasons, it wasn't enough. And he was healthy for every single one of those seasons. And the difference, you know, between Dak Prescott and Kirk cousins is that Dak has actually led elite offenses, like number one offense in 2021. And last year it was a, if not elite offense, it was close to it before where Kirk cousins, the best that he's done for an offense is eighth. I think uh, that they've ever ranked in points, which is good, but it's not good enough to win a super bowl. So if you don't have a quarterback 
that can lead you to an elite, elite offense. And that's why when you said Jalen Hurts, like a part of me went like, oh, is that true uh, that Jalen Hurts is worth it? And the way he played in the Super Bowl was phenomenal. But the fact that they had the, the best offense in the NFC and the second best offense only to the, the Kansas City Chiefs, I think would say yes. The only thing is, though, we don't know what it's going to look like when he does become very expensive. Mm -hmm. And that's a Lamar Jackson point, too. Like, Lamar Jackson has been unbelievably successful. And I'm not downplaying his talent at all. He is an absurd talent. But it's been on the rookie contract. And this does get harder for everyone, including someone like Josh Allen. It even got harder for Patrick Mahomes. He was just good enough to overcome it. And that's sort of the point, right? Like, the point is... Who is going to be good enough to overcome it? I think that Dak Prescott actually has been and has had teams that could have been capable of winning the Super Bowl, but they just didn't show up at the right times. And really, like, I'm not trying to make excuses for the Cowboys or Dak Prescott or anything, but they face the best defense. I mean, two years in a row, they get paired with the San Francisco 49ers while the Eagles are over here playing the Giants. And then, the, then when they do play the 49ers, their quarterback gets hurt. So I think that there has been a little bit of bad luck involved. Your guy, Mike McCarthy, who gets bashed every week on this show, also involved. Um, but I don't want to say that Dak is as good as some of the other quarterbacks that you named. So, of course, yes, um, for sure, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, there's no real debate about that. But one that's really kind of interesting here at, that's harder to talk about is Deshaun Watson because mm -hmm. he completely reset the market. And he was a really, really good quarterback in Houston, but I don't think he was worth what they gave him. And I think Cleveland is almost like ir irony here where it's like they did something that's really gross in acquiring the Deshaun Watson and then giving him this huge contract, setting up the contract so he didn't lose a lot of money when he was suspended, all those things. But I also think they're going to so, enter some sort of circle of hell here with their salary cap because they have given him so much. And I think he's more of a Dak Prescott or maybe a little above Kirk Cousins because of his playmaking ability, but more of a Dak Prescott level and not like a Joe Burrow level of quarterback that will be able to overcome it when he gets paid. And the same goes for Josh Allen. But you're right. Beyond that, it is hard. And it's hard to project forward a little bit with someone like Trevor Lawrence because uh, I think that Trevor Lawrence's skill suggests that he will one day be worth it. The way he played this year, it probably still wasn't even as, as great as he was. If he had been making $50 million, they're probably not in the playoffs. That's just how challenging this is. And the Herbert and um, Tua discussion is a really interesting one because with Justin Herbert, it seems like every tape-watching evaluator-type really loves Justin Herbert and like yeah. wants to declare Justin Herbert a great, great, great quarterback. I, I think we've seen some of that from Justin Herbert, but on the rookie deal, the same with Kyler Murray, I think that they get paired together on the rookie deal. The overall results for their teams has been disappointing and now they're going to become way more expensive. So then what happens, right? Like with Kyler Murray getting more expensive, good luck to Jonathan Gannon with that because they are, in a very bad spot where they just need to get really lucky in the draft. And that's the only way they'll ever get back to somewhere. And with Los Angeles, this last year was kind of their year to push all the chips into the middle of the table. Now I'm still buying when it comes to Los Angeles and his last year of his rookie contract, uh, that they can be a really good team for next year. 
But man, that's that is another like Prescott line of demarcation with Justin Herbert. And again, all that means is it just shows you how high that bar is uh, and how challenging it is to overcome it. Because if you're not one of the four or five quarterbacks that are the best in the league, then you're going to restrict your team probably too much. Because the reason, the way I look at it, the reason Jalen hurts, and that's why it's so hard with him. The reason he's there in in large part with that surrounding cast is because they could pay the linemen. They could pay AJ Brown. Like everything gets tougher after that. And um, you know, Derek Carr though is an obvious one to me that is, shouldn't be in this discussion. Whoever gets Derek Carr is probably going to be disappointed. Do you agree with that? Like, I'm not saying that he's not a good quarterback, but similarly to cousins, it's like, we've kind of seen this, haven't we? The jets are going to talk themselves into it, but then they're going to play Miami and Buffalo next year and probably still not be as good. Yeah. We, we talked about this a couple of years ago when the Vikings were in the Kirk cousins race. And like you said, it, those two quarterbacks are kind of locked together at this point with how they've played and how their careers have gone, that it just feels like, Whoever's going to get him, like you said, is kind of might regret it a couple years later because of how much they're going to have to pay him. And with him going on free agency because he they set up Las Vegas and him set up that contract for it either to be released or they have to trade him by a certain point. And they were forced to trade him because he or forced to release him because he wasn't going to take the trade to New Orleans. Whoever's going to pay him is going to pay him too much and they're going to restrict themselves in what they're going to be able to build around him. And he's one of those quarterbacks who who's not going to elevate uh some of these other some of these kind of lesser talents that that he's going to have to play with like Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow can do and he's going to have to do that being paid that much and I don't know that he has that in him because he just hasn't done it yet in his career he had Devontae Adams this last year Josh Jacobs he had some great talent around him but still couldn't do that much with it I mean whether you want to put that on Josh McDaniels shoulders or not I don't know but like he was still let go by the organization that had drafted him and that stayed with him and that paid him enough money that he should be happy for the rest of his life. But they still let him go and moved on from him because they didn't like what he was bringing to the team. How's that going to change when you're the guy who's being paid the most money on the team and they can't build around you because you're being paid so much money? Pro teams have millions to spend and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Right. And you can always talk yourself into these things. You could say like, well, they've already hit on some draft picks and they've got a good situation. And and that's true. But uh, I guess I would also say that, you know, that was last year. And Mm -hmm. so there's no guarantee that like past results are indicators of what's going to happen in the future. So, yeah, maybe the Jets could make a case that they were one of the strongest teams last year, but that doesn't guarantee they will be again. Now, it did work for Matthew Stafford to go to Los Angeles. But if people use that as an example, I would say that's much more of an outlier. I mean, not only did they have a Hall of Famer in Aaron Donald, the best receiver in the league that year in Cooper Cup, the best pass blocking in the league that year by pro football focus, and also in the middle of the season just added two Hall of Fame level talents in Odell Beckham and Vaughn Miller. Uh, I don't think Beckham will make the Hall of Fame, but as far as talent goes, one of the most talented receivers of the last 20 years, just on raw skill. And then Vaughn Miller is a Hall of Famer. And that's unusual. You don't usually find a way to do that. And then the very next year, it all blew up in their face with yeah. Los Angeles. So had they had it not worked out, had they lost when Tampa Bay came back against them in the playoffs, we would have been talking about what an unbelievable failure that was. So everything having to come together, um, you know, I, I guess I think that, um, you know, when it comes to uh, the, the contract situation, like that's the challenge that every team faces. And if the contracts were tiered, um, then this would be totally different. But the players would never agree to this in their negotiations in the CBA. If Because how would you even figure that out? If you said like, well, Derek Carr, you're clearly a third tier quarterback. So you fall into this. Doesn't the NBA have something where if you make the all NBA team, you get to have a bigger contract. So wait, we're going to have like reporters voting on somebody's contract. Like there's no real good way to do it, but in a more just world, then you would have more of a structure like that. But why should Derek Carr, when Ryan Tannehill got paid a huge contract, Mm -hmm. Russell Wilson, why should Derek Carr take any less than them? But you can kind of see the future uh, with this one. All right, next question for you, Jonathan. Matt Bowen of ESPN, great analyst. Uh, he did a, a big story about the best fits for top free agents. And he had a lot of guys returning to their old homes, which I think he's right on, but it's not sexy. Uh, so Lamar Jackson staying with the Ravens, Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones going back to the Giants, Tony Pollard staying with Dallas, Jerron Payne in D.C. And they, they can franchise tag him, so that might happen Uh, We don't know yet about the franchise tags, but I want you to give me some exciting locations. Should franchise tags not be used on those players? And what would make kind of the the most entertaining for the top free agents for where they could land? I don't want to sound like a broken record with the Falcons and being a key destination for a quarterback, but could you imagine Lamar Jackson in Atlanta with the weapons they have there and the draft picks they have to kind of like put more pieces around him? And I think that'd be a great situation for Lamar Jackson or any quarterback, as I made the case last week. If you want to hear that, just go back and listen to that episode. So I'm not going to go too much into that. I'm not going to repeat myself, but I think that's a great spot for Lamar Jackson is Atlanta. uh, If he doesn't stay in Baltimore, 
for Saquon Barkley, I had a really tough time trying to figure out a location because it's like it's a running back and he's a guy who's kind of just a workhorse guy who's going to fall off eventually. And so it's, it's really hard to say other than the New York giants, who else should take him? Like maybe go to, I don't know. I, I couldn't figure out a spot for him. So I'm just going to, we're not on. being reasonable here, Jonathan, you're looking for what's the most exciting. You don't have to pay the contract. You're looking okay. for the hype machine here for Saquon Barkley. Well, give me, then put him in San Francisco alongside Christian McCaffrey, who we know is going to get injured every, every couple or a couple weeks, every season, put him there with an, with an offensive system that knows how to use their running backs. Well, it's probably the best spot for a running back in the league is San Francisco because uh, Kyle Shannon really knows how to use those guys. One, two bunch of Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley would be unstoppable. And the way they use their running backs would be fantastic to watch Daniel Jones, Tampa Bay. Let's put him there because they need a quarterback. And it, just give him a prove it deal. Like you're not going to get 45 million down Daniel Jones. You threw 15 touchdown passes this year. You threw 3,200 yards this year. You're, you're playing 1980s football at this point. Go to Tampa Bay. You have actual weapons to throw to this time. If you can do that on your one year prove it deal, then yeah, sure, maybe we'll pay you. But we're also a team that's planning on tanking, so we're not going to stress too much about the winning. Just make it look good. Uh, Tony Pollard. I'm going the Bills or the Chiefs. Put that guy in an explosive offense, his speed in those, in either of those offenses, I know those are generally pass heavy attacks, but give him a guy who's versatile like that. And who can, who can just break, just break the sound barrier with his speed, put him in either of those two situations. And I would love to see that. Uh, Deron Payne. I, I want, I was looking all over San Francisco seemed like a fun location because of how nasty their defense plays Philadelphia as well in that same situation. But I want to put him in Cincinnati in that, in that defensive line, that's already got DJ reader. Give me that offense or that defensive line, just manhandling the rest of the AFC. Good luck trying to block any of those guys, because they've got four really good guys. If you put Deron Payne on that, that defensive line, you've got four really good guys who are really good at pass rush and getting to the quarterback. Good luck stopping or choosing who you're going to stop with that one. Yeah, I think um, so. Those are those are all good choices for me. With Saquon Barkley, Buffalo was the one that came to mind because Saquon at least proved last year, and having seen him in person for two games, that guy is different. I mean, he really now the injuries are real and they're very much the same. And this is always the problem with running backs. And I know that you know people are talking about a running back in the first round this year, and oh, he's a generational talent and everything else. Like, well. So is Lenny Fournette, so is Saquon Barkley, and it's always kind of the same problem. And, and even Christian McCaffrey, like when you draft these guys in the first round, you're going to use them, you're going to use them a lot, and uh, they usually end up getting banged up. But for entertainment purposes, and because Saquon Barkley, when healthy, is special. Like there, there are very few guys that I've ever seen that you think that they're completely wrapped up and tackled, and then they get like five yards. Or that you think someone has totally got him and then they run for a 15 yard touchdown or whatever. I mean, that's Saquon Barkley. He is special. Him and Josh Allen in the same backfield would really be wild. I just, I feel like those two guys uh, with their explosiveness and rushing ability, I mean, they wouldn't, they they still want to throw the ball a lot, but they actually should kind of take a look at Philadelphia. And I know the offensive line's a big part of this with Philadelphia. And look how effectively Philly ran the ball. And maybe think about that a little bit. Like they passing the ball is, is of course, still going to drive your success in the NFL. But the Bills lacked the counterpunch that I think actually Kansas City 
had this year in the running game. They, they actually performed pretty well. Pollard in Miami was my pick with that offense that just has dudes running all over the place with all sorts of motions and crossing routes and everything else like that. Like Pollard is the rare running back who I think can go down the field a little bit and play a little bit that receiver type of role if he needs to, but he's just so quick and so elusive that that was one thing Miami was lacking last year. So I, I think that would be exciting for him. When you say exciting and Daniel Jones uh, really doesn't match up because he's just not, <laughs> yeah. but the guy ran for like 700 yards. He's a running quarterback. Uh, I didn't include Geno Smith. Cause I just thought there is really no exciting location for Geno Smith. Um, <laughs> I, I struggle with the Daniel Jones part of this. I, I mean, I think Tampa Bay is kind of washed as a team. Um, so if they had been a better team, like with a great offensive line, healthy receivers, I think they are more, much more dangerous than they were last year. And that played into Brady struggling. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, is there, is there a team like is, would San Francisco be the choice here? Like they can't really afford to pay Daniel Jones and, you know, they should probably just roll with Trey Lance. But if Brock Purdy can step into that offense, is a more competent quarterback or, or is Daniel Jones even more competent than Brock Purdy? I'm not really sure because I only saw him light up the Vikings and nobody, everybody else. did. Um, yeah. And I think Atlanta does become um, a, a repeated answer here for an exciting place, but with Lamar Jackson, mm, now that, now that is a tough one because San Francisco definitely came to mind for Lamar Jackson, Ooh, yeah. but also how about Seattle? Like DK Metcalf, Lamar Jackson, a great running game, an offensive line that finally improved. I, I mean, I think if I, he's going to stay in Baltimore more likely than not, and they're going to pony up and they've got the franchise tag to use, but that actually might be a good situation for him if he wanted to go there because DK Metcalf is such an exciting player. And if they play pickup ball, DK Metcalf will destroy everyone. Yes. <laughs> If I, I don't know if everyone saw the highlights of him dunking and just like dribbling around people in the celebrity game, but there are some receivers who can really play ball. Um, next question for you, Jonathan, uh, the bucks are going to take on 35 mil from uh, Tom Brady's retirement. That's what happens when you go all in to win and it doesn't work, uh, but they got a super bowl out of it. So they don't care. They're more likely than not to tank. Here's what I want to know from you. One, two, and three draft picks overall next year. Who are the three worst teams in the N in the NFL next season? Uh, we named the first one, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. As you said, they're going to tank. They've got an aging roster. The defense kind of let them down this season, it felt like. And it just feels like there's a whole lot of resetting that needs to happen in Tampa Bay. I think this is the year where they just kind of just dump everything. They get rid of all any kind of asset they have and just start rebuilding for the future. So I'll say the Tampa Bay Buccaneers here, plus the rest of their division is going to get better. I mean, it can only get better because it was the worst division in football. So it's going to go up from here, especially for the Panthers and probably the Falcons. I don't know about the Saints because they come in at number three for me, uh, the Saints do, because it just feels like if they don't get a quarterback and they're completely desperate for one at this point, and they're going to maneuver their cap space however they do it, if they can't get a quarterback, they're stuck with, James Winston again, or Andy Dalton again, or whoever they can find off the scrap heap to play quarterback for them. And that doesn't feel like a good situation because of how they've kind of structured their cap space and how, how fast that roster got old. It just feels like that's a, that's a roster that's ready, or that's an organization that's kind of ready 
for a reset, but it's going to take a long time because of the way they've structured their contracts, the way they've kind of pulled from the future or borrowed from the future to kind of win now. And it hasn't worked out for them in a couple of years to do that. So I feel like they're number three. Number two for me is uh, the Tennessee Titans. If it just, it seems like they were on the cusp of winning another uh, division title there. And then they collapsed the second half of the season. And I love their coach. I might, I love Mike Vrabel, but it just feels like that's a roster that needs a reset as well. Uh, I don't see Tannehill sticking around too long there. Just doesn't seem to work there. They got, a, they got an old running back and it just, I don't know. I don't feel like that's a roster that's going to do anything, especially with Jacksonville on the come up. And then you got the Texans with the Meco Ryans who might be bad again next year because they don't have a whole lot of pieces to work with, but I believe they'll play a lot better under Ryan than they had in the past in under the coaches they've had in the past. So they'll get better. The Colts might get better. If they can get a quarterback, who knows? But I feel like the Titans are going to be in the number two seed or the number two draft pick draft pick team this year. Yeah, it's so hard to know what Tennessee is going to do at quarterback because yeah. it does feel like the Ryan Tannehill thing has run its course. And he was banged up a little the last couple of years. And I, I think that that has to matter to them. His age has to matter. He's 35. Like, I don't think of Ryan Tannehill as being that old, but he yeah. is actually one of the oldest quarterbacks in the entire NFL. Um, for me, Arizona is maybe a lock here because, well, again, I don't know who's going to play quarterback for them for at least most of the season. And then coming back from an ACL could be pretty tough for Kyler Murray. Even if he came back eight weeks into the season, they also have a pretty good argument for trading away DeAndre Hopkins. I don't think DeAndre Hopkins wants to play for the Arizona Cardinals with Kyler Murray injured. Who knows who they're going to bring in a quarterback. It's probably going to be somebody like Andy Dalton, like Jacoby Brissett. Maybe it's Colt McCoy season again. I like that. They're going to go out of their way to have some backup caliber quarterback. They're not going to go out and get like a Jimmy Garoppolo or something. Cause I don't even know if they could afford them. And they're, they're just a mess. Like they need a tank year really badly. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think, I think they will be pretty tough. Um, the Texans Colts and Titans they all can't be this bad, like because they play yeah. each other, and uh, so there's going to be some wins in there. The but the the Colts and Texans are very hard, I I think, and we're going to talk a little about the draft pick quarterbacks in a minute. But both of them are probably very very likely taking draft pick quarterbacks. Which, if you look at Joe Burrow's first season, Tua's first season, like a lot of rookie quarterbacks, it usually goes badly. Uh, even if they're great, eventually, it just usually goes really bad in the first year. And sometimes they show, uh, you know, a lot of heart like Joe Burrow, but that Bengals team was horrific in his first season. And you could see the same thing for Indianapolis or the Texans. I think you have to put them in the conversation. The thing about the NFC is there's really only one team that I could see now. I mean, I, I think your point about new Orleans is fair. Um, they don't have Sean Payton to, you know, improve them anymore like I think he could kind of squeeze out seven wins from them I don't, I don't know if they can do that much more than what they got this year um, and then considering like you said their cap situation is just a disaster but Washington strikes me as maybe the only team I kind of and, and this is uh, one to put on record and if it turns out to be somewhat right then like congratulations to me and if it doesn't then uh, we'll forget about it forever kind of like Sam Howell. Like I just watched a little bit of him in preseason, watched a little bit of him in college. And you go back two years and he was talked about as a potential first rounder and maybe even a top draft pick. 
And then his team at North Carolina fell off and they weren't very good. And he just dropped and dropped and dropped in the draft. Never really understood it. Uh, I thought he was much more of a second round type pick, like a Derek Carr level prospect. And now he's going to get an opportunity. So he's impressed them enough to start. But if that goes badly, if that's like a, remember when Jimmy Clausen got a chance to start for the Panthers and they were like, maybe, uh, and they won two games that could also be, that could also be them. So I think other than Arizona, that Washington would be my pick. And I mean, with the East or the AFC, um, definitely no one from the East, but like Denver again, though, like what if that goes badly with Wilson? Could Denver be there? Or, I mean, I think Vegas is going to try to get one of these quarterbacks and be competitive. Aside from that, the North is going to be good. Yeah, it really comes down to how many South teams could be in the top three. <laughs> but if you're if you're one of those teams, though, and you get those guys, look, I mean, just look at Miami and look at Cincinnati, and you draft like the top receiver off the board to pair with your rookie quarterback, then all of a sudden you're feeling really good about yourself. So mm-hmm. some of those teams are actually in a good position to be at the bottom for a little while here and then uh, bounce back up. But uh, we're talking about quarterbacks and where they're going to land. So next week is the NFL Combine. And mostly the NFL Combine is for teams to kind of confirm about players' athleticism. But it ends up being the usual NFL hype machine. Somebody runs a 4-3, stocks rise, stocks fall. We all watch Daniel Jeremiah for 20 straight hours on TV talk about, you know, guys running in their underpants or whatever. So... That's always fun, but at the top of the list for entertainment is the quarterback workouts, the discussion surrounding the quarterbacks, and this year there is a projected, and we'll always have to say after last year's debacle, projected, uh, four quarterbacks that are expected to go in the first round, at least four. So uh, you know the names, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, uh, Bryce Young, and Anthony Richardson. I want to know your order right now for who you think should go one, two, three, four for the quarterbacks, John. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, for me right now, going into the combine, it's going to be Bryce Young number one, and it's not even close between him and the rest of the class because I don't care about his size, but the way he's played at Alabama for the past three years, that has me convinced that he's ready to take that next step. The size doesn't concern me at all. We saw Russell Wilson for the first, what, 10 years of his career do well despite his size. I think that Bryce Young can do well because he's played in the highest pressure environment in college for three years, and he succeeded and succeeded remarkably well there. I will take him number one, and I won't even think twice about it. C.J. Stroud is number two for me, and it's not close between two and three and four. 
because I liked what he's done at Ohio State. I'm always a little concerned about Ohio State quarterbacks, but I think he can break that mold. Um, for me, three and four are the closest call between these four guys because it's just it's it's hard to tell what they will get, what each of these guys will give you. I put Richardson as three and Levis as four. And I put Levis as four because I always get concerned when people start off an evaluation saying he's got a big arm. Like, that, okay, congratulations. You can throw 60 yards, but can you do it well? Like, show me that you can do it well. And he, for a guy who has a big arm, he threw for 20, 2,400 yards last year in college football. That's not that impressive. And he threw 23 interceptions over the last two years. Also not impressive. If you're, if you want to play at the NFL level, I don't want to see interceptions on your that many interceptions on your record as a college quarterback. You should be dominating college football if you want me to take you in the first round. Richardson, I get questionable because he, he what played 13 games in college. That that concerns me, but I love his athleticism. I love what this kid showed last year. I I think that he he's better than Levis right now from what I've seen. So th- this is it's very hard uh, because. Yeah. Anthony Richardson, it's just too easy because they look so similar in their stature to call him Cam Newton. Yeah. Uh, And Cam Newton had, it wasn't just like an okay college season at Auburn. It was was like unbelievable. And Anthony Richardson uh, was not unbelievable Mm -hmm. last year at Florida, but it also wasn't a great Florida team. Uh, They didn't have great receivers. They didn't, they had one really good offensive lineman. I don't think they had a great offensive line and he had to put a lot on his back for them to win games. And they got some pretty good wins. They played uh, really well and beat Utah in his first night there of the season. And then they actually played kind of toe to toe for a while with Georgia. And I think we know how good Georgia was that that's like uh, the 33rd best team uh, behind all the NFL teams. And uh, so he played tough against Georgia and got them back in that game. I was impressed with how he managed some of those games, how he managed the pressure Uh, of being really kind of the whole offense. They didn't really have a great running game. Um, But, you know, at the end of the day, he's got some issues with throwing the football. It's just that, you know, I think that when we talk about footwork and technical problems, um, you know, you can work around some of those things. And even, look, Cam Newton was never that accurate of a quarterback, and he had a really good career. If, If I told you you were drafting a quarterback number one, he would turn into Cam Newton. Like you would take that a hundred times out of a hundred. He took a team to a Super Bowl. He won an MVP. Like, yeah, you would take that. And I think that Richardson kind of has that maybe in him. Like, I don't think he could be Patrick Mahomes or, you know, the best quarterback in the league because there's going to be things that hold him back a little. But there's so much room to grow with the lack of experience that he has uh, that there's a part of me. There's a small part, but there is a part that wants to make him the top quarterback in this draft. Like oh. To, that that want that wants to because when I think about what his skill set could be, it just is like through the roof. It is like Cam Newton level, uh, or jo- or Josh Allen level. Like there's you're gonna talk about things like that all the time with every guy who has a big arm or athleticism. Richardson is really that level of arm strength and speed and rushing ability. He will immediately be like a top three rushing quarterback in the NFL. And will immediately be a top five arm strength in the NFL. If he can handle anything else, uh, I think that he's in that conversation. So there's a part of me that just wants to put him at number one because I think it's, you know, just trying to project who could have the highest ceiling. The Bryce Young thing is hard because I really enjoyed watching him play. And he's probably a better prospect than two other quarterbacks who have succeeded to some extent in the NFL. 
He's probably a better prospect than Tua or Mac Jones. And both of those guys are like, you know, doing okay in the NFL. They're not Mm -hmm. mega stars, but both have done well. If you project it that way, the playmaking, you know, his creativity, all those things, I think that that plays. But you also can't ignore it. Like the thing about Russell Wilson is he's short, but he was strong and like really thick and long arms and huge hands. And you do have some concern over injuries and just like, usually these quarterbacks like 230 pounds, not 190. And I saw Nate Tice of the athletic talking about him as like Doug Flutie. And I love that comparison because Doug Flutie was undersized, creative and could win in the NFL, but kind of only for so long um, because there were limitations based on his size. I mean, the, the guys in front of you are six, six sometimes, and, right. and that does make it hard. Um, and with even Russell Wilson, and he's a borderline Hall of Fame quarterback, if not Hall of Fame quarterback, but they still had to kind of set up the offense for him to scramble a lot and throw it downfield. And I think he had a much stronger arm than Bryce Young. So I'm just not really like totally sold on that. I really like CJ Stroud's character. That to me is what puts him at number two for me. I've got I've got Richardson number one because he's an absolute monster athlete and just uh you know I, I liked how he played with a lot of heart for Florida. He, he kind of to me he played like a winner, which matters. And um then you know with CJ Stroud, I really love the way that he handled playing well against Michigan, having their defensive uh <laughs> everything fall apart and lose that game. And he and he put it on himself. Like he took responsibility for that. Um, he came up with a very difficult background and fought his way through it. And uh, I think he's got great arm talent super accurate, like really good pocket passer, which at the end of the day in the NFL, you usually have to do in order to be great. So I like Stroud a lot as the number two. Um, And then Young is number three and Levis is number four. I do understand that Levis has a monster cannon. I mean, it's really something. But I agree with you that when the accuracy struggles and it struggles kind of all the time and the guy has played a lot and he's had time to fix some of these things, but you know, ultimately none of us know how these things are going to play out. That's how I would have it right now. Um, but I could be completely wrong and the NFL might not buy into Richardson at all. I think that they will, uh, but who knows uh, how it's going to turn out, but this is a year where it's going to be, you know, very interesting. And some franchises entire trajectories are going to be changed by which ones of these guys work out and which don't. I think a lot of what, what you said about Richardson is why, I mean, you'll see that at the combine next week. A lot of the scouts will see that and there'll be a lot of raving and ooing and aahing about what he can do. And I think there'll be a lot of draft boards shuffled because of what he can do at the combine. And I think there'll be a lot of people who start agreeing with you that he is the number one draft or quarterback prospect in this class because of his sheer athleticism and what he can do. And yes, he only played 13 games, but that also gives you a massive ceiling to kind of get to at some point in his career. Do you have um do you have any like uh comps for these guys? Did you I, this wasn't a question that I prepared you for, but I was trying to think of like who these guys remind me of. Um you know, I think that the, the thing about Anthony Richardson is if he doesn't work out, it might be like a Jake Locker where he was just never the like well health was a problem with Jake Locker, so maybe he would have been good, but he was never really accurate enough consistently the ball just kind of ended up all over the place and Levis has some of that too 
But Locker was like an unbelievable runner in college, super tough, great leadership, all those things. But the um, there was that that issue. CJ Stroud, I'm not really sure. Like, I don't know if he has the creativity of a Joe Burrow to be like the pocket quarterback. But man, the way he played against Georgia, the best defense in the world, came down to the final moments. Like, I was so impressed by that. I don't know. So I don't want to say he's like a like a Ryan Tannehill or something because I think that there's a higher ceiling than that. He, you know, but maybe we'll have to fit in a pocket type of system. Like yeah. a Dak, maybe? That 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 feels like it's a good comp there with their athleticism and what they're able to do passing. Uh, for me, Levis, just based off of what people say and what people said about Justin Herbert when he was coming out, yeah, the college stats are very different because uh, Justin Herbert was a little bit more protective of the ball. He didn't throw as many interceptions as Levis did. But with the way people talk about these guys' uh, arms and their cannons that they have, I think that comp going into the NFL is kind of similar from what they say. I don't know about on-field play because I didn't watch too much of either of them play in college football. But if he if he's able to turn it around and you know take down the interceptions, bring down that interception number, and start throwing kind of more accurately, then Justin Herbert might be a good one considering their arm talents. All right, final question for you, Jonathan. The XFL was back, and you know yes. how I feel about this. Yep. I love every one of these leagues. I watch every one of these leagues. One of my favorite things is players that I recognize. So like Jeff Bidette the other day is a former Viking and he was playing great. Uh, and I was like, whoa, Jeff Bidette, a uh, guy ran like a four, three or something in college, super fast. But the thing I love most is that the XFL has always been famous for trying stuff. Mm -hmm. And to me, they're doing things that are basically big, giant neon signs. NFL, steal this from us, please. That would be the kickoff, and that would be the replay review, which was just phenomenal. The highlight of the weekend of the XFL was the replay review, where they sent it to Dean Blandino, who has been an advocate of the NFL being more transparent. Uh, I know because I talked to him about it on the air on WCCO Radio a couple weeks ago. And he's this is what he wants. Like, he wants us to be taken behind the curtain and shown why a play is what it is instead of just, we've ruled it incomplete and that's it. And you just deal with it, America. And uh, I, I guess my question for you is, do you think the NFL will take these things? And if people haven't seen the kickoff, it's actually really cool. It's incredible. They line up five yards apart from each other across the field. The ball is kicked off. And then it's like, it turns into a regular play from there. And uh, they started at the end of the old XFL that was killed by uh, COVID that they started like being creative. So having like reverses and different, like different things that they were coming up with. Do you think the NFL will steal these things from the XFL? I think with the, what didn't they, didn't I remember them reading that they signed like a developmental deal with the NFL that the NFL kind of uh, let them borrow some things from them like Dean Blandino uh, I know Blandino doesn't work for the NFL, but like he's on the NFL broadcast and the NFL signs off on pretty much everything about their broadcast. So he sort of works for the NFL in that, that mindset, but like there's a developmental prospect towards this and clearly they're watching the NFL has to be watching what the XFL is doing. And I think they should steal some of this stuff. I don't know if it will happen because we've seen how slow the NFL is to adopt new things and completely change some of the ways that they've played for the last hundred years doing that kickoff would completely revolutionize how the NFL plays and it would change forever how the NFL is viewed because 
it would be a monumental shift for the league, the biggest one in a, in over 100 years, I think. But it would be worth it because it's an incredible kickoff. It lead, it brings back the possibility of a kickoff return for a touchdown instead of a wasted five seconds of airtime where it's just like, all right, the guy can kick it 60 yards. Cool, let's move on and let's get the play started. You might as well just give every team a start at the 20-yard line because no one's ever going to return it anymore with how the rules are set up right now. With the way the XFL does it, I think you absolutely have to do it. And I love the transparency with the instant replays because that's something that the NFL desperately needs with some of the questions that were asked about officiating over the last couple games in the NFL season. I mean, you look at how what the big talking points were coming out of the Super Bowl and the NFC champ or AFC and NFC championship games, you need transparency from the referees. They have to buy in. Uh, and I think getting the replay booths mic'd up. And hearing what's going on in that process not only just provides fans like the instant analysis of, oh, that's what they that's what the rule is and that's what they're looking at. It helps in that aspect because it just provides you a better knowledge base of when you're what you're watching on TV instead of just guessing and listening to the commentators guess. You're actually hearing what the officials are talking about, which is commentary in and of itself. I think that helps and is a better kind of drama aspect to it than what we normally get with nothing mic'd up. I, I love the aspect of mic'd up refs because they do it in rugby and it's fantastic. The mics are refed up or mic'd up all the time. And you hear them throughout the play communicating with the players in rugby. And it, it brings a, it brings a level of transparency that is just unseen in many other sports. It would make it so much easier to just be able to say, this is what the ref saw. And that's why that call happened. Yep. There would be so much less debate about it and so much less, you know, it almost seems like, we want to keep this away from you. So you don't know. Right. Uh, so you can't criticize. And it's like, you know, once upon a time, they wanted to keep the all 22 film away from the public. This is actually true. You can look it up. Uh, Wall street journal wrote an article about it about 12 years ago, 15 years ago, they wanted to keep coaches film away from the public. So the coaches could be, couldn't be criticized for things <laughs> that people saw on the coaches film. Uh, and now it's a massive, massive industry of film mm -hmm. breakdowns and it's only hyped up the league and made it more interesting. And we all understand football better because of it. Reporters can ask better questions. Uh, analysts and coaches can break it down and teach better. I mean, everything about it, like the more transparent you could be, the better. So you could say, oh, I fully understand. That's why the ref overruled that play. And then take it another level with Sky Judge. Let's hear from the Sky Judge through the whole game. Here's what we saw. This is why we're doing it. The XFL has it completely right. The kickoff, I think the only thing, and I know this for a fact, because I talked to someone at the Combine a couple of years ago about this, a special teams coach, about um, you know the, the XFL kickoff ha had been discussed for sure. And actually, I even asked Matt Daniels about it uh, on the record last year before training camp. And he was talking about, um, how he hadn't really looked close into it and things like that, but everybody in the league wants the kickoff to be a thing. I think the NFL just doesn't like how it looks, but you'll yeah. get used to it. I mean, yeah. I'm sure when they first move the goalposts out of the end zone, people are like, I don't know. I'm just never going to get used to the goalposts <laughs> not being in the way. Like the NFL changes. That's why it's so great. Now you compared it uh, to, you know, the forward pass and uh, said a, a great innovation over the last hundred years. I didn't think anyone could love it more than me, but apparently you do. Um, <laughs> that's, that is the hyper, uh, hyperbole of the day here on the show for sure. But, but I do think though, that uh, eventually they'll start to come around and come up with something similar. They'll have to make it the NFLs. They just can't steal it. 
Uh, they'll try it in lower levels in college and something, but I think the kickoff eventually will come back. And the great kickoff return artists, the Dante Halls, the Tamaric Vanovers, the Josh Cribbses, they will return to the NFL yeah. and uh, will return, but I'm not sure if it's going to be next week. <laughs> Uh, for hot routes. Of course, if you watch our channel on a regular basis, which I see some of you from the comment section that always come by and I really appreciate it. Uh, there will be lots more from this channel, lots more lives uh, just with the hot routes show. I'm not really sure about my travel next week. Just got the approval from the NFL on the credential for covering this week. So uh, we'll see kind of how it ends up going timing wise with the interviews with coaches and the work that I'm doing out there. But uh, we will be putting up a lot of videos going live. If we can, the Wi-Fi situation may be a little spotty, so we'll see what we can do, but definitely we'll be here on the YouTube channel uh, for you um, in the coming weeks as all bleep hits the fan in the NFL. And we will not, I, this is a, a hot take Jonathan, but two weeks from now, we will not be talking about how slow things are. We nope. are going to be talking about the, the sheer insanity of this NFL offseason because the number of quarterbacks alone, who need to find locations, the Rogers decision alone, like all these things are coming. So um, it should be great. So thanks for your time. Thank you to all of you who watched or listened and uh, we will be back very soon.